0: A lot of preachers will tell you that the hardest thing to preach about is money. A lot of preachers don't like preaching about money. And the reason is because it kind of hits you right in the pocketbook. It hits you right there where, you know, it's the one thing we, the last thing we want to give up is money. So we're going to talk about money today. No, we're not going to talk about money today. I personally, for me, the hardest thing to preach about is forgiveness. Now, it's not God's forgiveness of me. I can talk about God forgiving me uh, for days on end. I love to talk about how God forgives me. You know, I'm sure you like thinking about how God forgives you. So we'll talk about God's grace. We'll talk about His love. We'll talk about His mercy. We'll talk about His forgiveness. We love talking about God's mercy and forgiveness. That's the vertical relationship of forgiveness. This vertical relationship between God and humanity, uh, that, you know, God loves us and wants to forgive us and and he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You believe in Jesus, repent from your sins, confess your faith, get baptized. We talk about this every week, uh, that uh, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God will forgive your sins. He'll wash you clean in the blood of the Lamb. Like the song we sang earlier when we were rocking out to worship time. You know, we love talking about that. We love talking about that vertical relationship of forgiveness. And it's an important relationship. I mean, that, that's, what it, that's where it all begins is that God reaches out to us and offers us forgiveness through His Son, Jesus. It's the other side of forgiveness that I find it very hard to talk about. Because not only is there a vertical relationship of forgiveness, there is a horizontal relationship as a result of the vertical relationship with God. Because God has forgiven us, because God has washed us clean, because God has forgiven our sins, He has an expectation of us. He has an expectation that we would forgive others. Oh, but you see, that's hard. That's why I don't like talking about forgiveness. Again, like I said, I'll talk all day about God forgiving me, how God forgives my sins. I'll talk all day about how God forgives your sins. But when I have to get up here and tell you that God expects us to forgive each other, That God expects us to forgive one another. That God expects us to forgive other people. well, That's hard. Because forgiveness is hard. In Colossians chapter 3 verse 13, this is what it says. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness begins with God. God reaches out to us. The offended reaches out to the offenders. And he offers them forgiveness. And he says that we can be forgiven by his grace through faith in Jesus. But then he takes it a step further and says not only, not only do you receive my forgiveness, now you must share it with others. You must give forgiveness in that horizontal relationship. You gotta be willing to forgive each other. And that, like I said, is hard. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. We've been talking about the lord's prayer since the beginning of the year we've talked about different aspects of prayer and how we should be people of prayer and how we need to pray prayer is just communication with god and we who are in a relationship with god this is how we communicate to him is is through prayer So we need to be people of prayer. And then we started looking at the Lord's Prayer a few weeks ago and the different aspects of prayer. And we talked about how the Lord's Prayer isn't necessarily a prayer that we should pray those words exactly. But rather, the Lord's Prayer provides principles of prayer that we can apply to our own prayer lives uh, in order to become uh, more uh, people of prayer. So one of the aspects of prayer, one of the elements of prayer that we've learned about, one of these principles is acknowledging God... Uh, Or uh, adoring God in prayer. So when we pray our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're praying, uh, we're acknowledging God is our Father. Uh, We are also adoring Him, we are praising Him. So one of the aspects of prayer is to not only uh, acknowledge God as Father, but to praise Him and to worship Him in prayer. When we say hallowed be your name, we're saying your name is holy. Your name is special. You, God, are special and holy. So we pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We not only acknowledge God and adore him, but we also submit and surrender to him. We submit and surrender to his will and to his way, to his rule and his reign in our lives. We submit to God in his will. Uh, then we said, uh, then Jesus prayed, uh, give us today our daily bread. And we acknowledge God as our provider. And the key to prayer, I believe, the key to prayer is humility. And having a, a, a posture of humility before God when we pray. We acknowledge Him as Father. We acknowledge Him as King. We acknowledge Him as our provider. And t- today we're going to talk about how we acknowledge Him as our forgiver. We're going to acknowledge Him as our forgiver. If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. And we're going to look at verses 12 and then verses 14 and 15 as well because Jesus gives us a principle of prayer about forgiveness and then he expounds on it a little bit further in verses 14 and 15 we'll get to that a little bit later on in the message but today we're going to look at verses at verse 12 chapter 6 verse 12 if you've got your bible grab it and turn there if you didn't bring one you can grab one out of the chair in front of you it's on the, in the rack in front of you it's on page 685 or if you have your bible on your uh, smartphone or on your tablet you can Look it up there using your favorite Bible app. Matthew chapter six, verse 12. I just want to read the first four words: Forgive us our debts. Say that with me. Forgive us our debts. The first principle of prayer in this, this is the, the vertical relationship of forgiveness, where we come before God. And we acknowledge the fact that we are sinners. We acknowledge the fact that we have sinned against God. That we have a debt of sin to God. That we have sinned against Him. Uh, 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9 says this. says, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. One of the things that we have to do when we come before God in prayer is we need to confess the fact that we are sinners. We need to confess our sins to God. We need to confess the fact that we are sinners. Now the word confess literally means to agree with. So when you come before God in prayer and you confess the fact that you are a sinner, when you confess your sins to God, you are not telling him anything new. You are merely agreeing with God. You are merely agreeing with, the, with his assessment of the situation. God's assessment of the situation is that we are sinners who have sinned against him. When you say, Lord, I did this, Lord, I did that, I didn't do this, I didn't. When you confess your individual sins to God, you are not surprising him. When I come before God and I confess my sins to him, Lord, I did this, I did that, I didn't do this, I didn't, I do sin, by the way, just so you're all aware. Um, some of you are more keenly aware of this than others, but it, it is true. Uh, I am a sinner, um, and we all are, in fact, sinners. And so when we come before God and we confess our sins, we're not surprising him. God is not shocked when Sean confesses his sins to the Father. Father, you saw that I did this. And God says, yes, I Did. For the thousandth time I saw that you did this. I confess my sins to God. I'm agreeing with the fact. He already knows. He's not shocked. He's not, really? You did? God saw it when I did it. He knows that I am a sinner. He's not surprised. He's not shocked. Same thing goes for you. He knows your sins. And he wants to forgive them. And so when we confess our sins, as 1 John 1 says, He is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And I want to sidestep for just a second, because some people might think, well, what if I don't confess my sins? Or what if I don't confess all my sins? What if I don't confess, what, what if I forget about this sin or forget about that sin? And, and I, uh, what's going to happen if I don't confess all my sins? Then, then I, I won't be forgiven, I won't, that's not true. That puts all of the emphasis on your efforts to get your sins forgiven. That puts all the emphasis on your ability to recall and remember all your sins that you've ever committed and then to confess them to God as though it depends on you. If anything that the Bible has taught us is is that our forgiveness depends on Jesus. Our forgiveness depends on God. Look at this verse from Titus chapter 3, verses 4 and 5. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of His, what? Mercy. It's not because of my ability to confess my sins that my sins are forgiven. It's because Jesus loves me and died for me and now made it possible for my sins to be forgiven. It doesn't depend on me. If my salvation depended on me, uh, I can't do enough to make up for my sinfulness. I can't do enough to make up for my sins. I can't do enough to earn God's favor. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. I can't do enough. And so, if I were to walk out of here and get hit by a bus, which is relatively impossible because we don't have bus service in Griffith, but if it if we did have bus service and I walked out and got hit by a bus and I hadn't confessed all my sins, would God still forgive me? Absolutely. Because my my forgiveness depends on His grace and His mercy, not on my ability to do anything. It's about Jesus. That's the Vertical relationship of forgiveness. We like that one, don't we? I love the vertical relationship of forgiveness. I love the fact that God loves me and that God forgives me, that he has grace and mercy. I love that. But there's more to forgiveness than the vertical. Look at the second half of verse 12 of chapter 6. Matthew 6, 12. uh, Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgiveness begins with God. Forgiveness begins with Jesus. But then there's an expectation that the forgiveness that we have received that we would share it with other people. That we would realize just how much we've been forgiven. That we would realize how much God has forgiven us and then we would therefore forgive others when they sin against us. And that, my friends, is hard. It was hard for the disciples. You know how I know? Because there's a passage we're going to look at for just a minute. Flip over to Matthew 18. If you've got your Bible still open to Matthew chapter 6, flip over a few pages to Matthew 18. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Ooh, I love this one. This is so great. I love this parable and can't stand it all at the same time. You'll see why. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? You see, the rabbis of Jesus' day said that three times was the limit. That was the most that you needed to forgive somebody. If, Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me twi- three times, no forgiveness for you. So three times is what they said. That's all you got to forgive. Peter thinks he's being magnanimous. He thinks, look at me, huh, huh, seven times. Huh, yeah, right, huh? What does Jesus say? I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. See, I think what Jesus meant is that by the time you get around, if you're actually keeping track of how many, you're going to lose count eventually of how many times your brother, was that 69 or 70? 71, maybe? Anyway. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man owed him 10,000 talents. It was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found out, One of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, he grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him with the same words, by the way, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive each other, and unless you forgive your brother from your heart. A talent. A talent was equal to roughly 20 years' wages. 20 years. Do the math. 10,000 talents is what this man owed the king. 10,000 talents times 20 years' wages. How many years' wages? 200,000. If you make $50,000 a year, good for you. If you make $50,000 a year and you owe 10,000, or, or, I'm sorry, 200,000 years' wages, you want to do the math on that one? pull out your calendar 10 billion dollars the king had a momentary lapse of reason because for some reason i I imagine like this first century version of shark tank and the guy walks in and says i need 10 billion dollars to start my business and the king's like okay sure okay yeah here cut him a check for 10 billion dollars and the guy goes out and he blows it the king is like going through his books one day and goes whoa 10 billion dollars i need this guy to come see me And so he comes in and says, hey, where's my $10 billion? Be patient with me. And I will pay you back everything. This guy owes the king $10 billion. And he says, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. I'm going to go out and I'm going to win the Powerball 10 times in a row. Right? I'm going to go out and win the Powerball 10 times in a row and then I'll pay you back. Be patient with me and I will pay you back says, you know what? I'm a merciful kind of king. I'm going to cancel your debt. You'll you walk out of here debt free. And I imagine the guy's walking out going, I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to pay him back. I'm going to give myself some scratch offs. I'm going to pay that king back. As he's leaving the palace, with the words, I've canceled your debt ringing in his ears, he sees Joe. Hey, Joe, I'm going to start paying the king back right now. You owe me a hundred denarii. Now, a denarius was worth a day's wage. So he owes him 100 days' wages. If you make $50,000 a year, again, good for you. If you make $50,000 a year, and you take that $50,000, you divide it by 100, or you divide it up into a day's wage, it's about $160 a day. So, now, the, Joe owes him, you know, it's not chump change, he owes him about $16,000. So he owes him about sixteen dollars He's like, well, I'm going to start paying the king back right now. And Joe, give me my money. He grabs him begins to choke him. Pay me what you owe me. Falls to his knees. Same words. Be patient with me and I will pay you back. And he says, no. Throw him in prison until he can work off the debt. (laughs) Somebody's always watching. (laughs) Somebody's always watching. Because there's the servants of the king going, wait a minute. That don't sound right. And they go tattletale on the guy King, by the way the guy who, the 10 billion dollar man remember him? Yeah, uh, we just saw him do this King is mad I mean, angry calls the guy in says, don't you remember what I just did for you? I forgave you this huge debt and you couldn't do the same for someone else? I don't know what ten? billion dollars worth of torture feels like i don't want to know this guy found out he ordered him to be tortured until he could pay it back Ow! (laughs) and then jesus says this is how it will be for you you do not forgive your brother from your heart go back to matthew 6 Verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ouch. I mean, that hurts. That's hard. The vertical relationship of forgiveness we love. The horizontal relationship of forgiveness is difficult. This is hard stuff. How can I forgive someone who Hurts me? How can I forgive someone who talks bad about me, who gossips about me, who stabs me in the back? How can I forgive someone who betrays me? How can I forgive someone who cheats on me? How can I forgive someone who uh, causes me pain and suffering? How can I do that? It starts with that vertical relationship. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We have got to realize that you and me, we are the $10 billion men and women. We are that servant. We owe the debt, and we can't pay it back. And we don't have to, praise God. The debt has been paid. The price has been paid. Jesus took the punishment. He took the penalty. He paid the price. He paid the ransom and saved us from our sin. And we want to sit there and go, well, God, I just can't forgive him. I just can't forgive her. She doesn't deserve my forgiveness. He is not worthy of my forgiveness. You want to tell that to the king? I'm not saying it's easy. Goodness knows, I know it's hard. To forgive someone who cuts you to the core to forgive someone who hurts you deeply, to not hold on to that bitterness, to not hold on to that anger, to not hold on to that resentment. It's hard. Christianity is not for wimps, my friends. It's hard. Forgiveness is hard. And we'll say, well, what can I do? I mean, how do I I forgive? It's a process. And I want to I talk a little bit about what uh, Dr. Henry Cloud says on his website, uh, boundariesbooks.com. I, I was checking this out, and, and so he gives some practical advice about forgiveness. Uh, number one, okay, forgiveness is a past, present, future kind of thing. And number one, forgiveness has to do with the past. Forgiveness is not holding something someone has done against her. It is letting it go. Have a frozen moment, have an Elsa moment, and let it go. It only takes one to offer forgiveness. And just as God has offered forgiveness to everyone, we are expected to do the same. So we are expected to offer forgiveness because we have received forgiveness. It takes only one person to offer forgiveness. And that means you have to be willing to forgive someone else as you have been forgiven. That's the first step. And then there's a present element to it. Number two, reconciliation has to do with the present. It occurs when the other person apologizes and accepts forgiveness. It takes two to reconcile. So there has to be a reconciliation after there is forgiveness that we can come back together. Now, that does not mean that we do not set boundaries. That it does not mean that we do not set healthy boundaries to protect not only ourselves, but to protect them as well because if they are habitually sinning against you that is spiritually unhealthy for them to habitually sin against you is not good for their spiritual growth it is not good for their spiritual health and if you are allowing them to continually sin against you you are hurting them spiritually so you might have to set up some healthy boundaries and say okay this is why it's it's the third element in this process of forgiveness and that is trust trust has to do with the future it deals with both what you will risk happening again and what you will open yourself up to a person must show through his actions that he is trustworthy before you trust him again so before that you can forgive someone you can reconcile that person but that trust has to be rebuilt does this make sense okay yes oh good Uh, um to build that trust again requires time, and it does require healthy boundaries. And, and, but some of you may say, well, what about turn the other cheek? Right? What about, I, I'm supposed to turn the other cheek? That has nothing to do with forgiveness. That is a passage where Jesus is talking about vengeance. And an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That is about not taking vengeance, which is part of forgiveness. Part of forgiveness is saying, I'm letting this go. I am not going to hold it against her. I'm not going to hold it against him. I'm going to let go of this bitterness. I'm going to let go of this resentment. I'm going to let go of this anger. Uh, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your child, whether it's your parents, whether it's your mom, your dad, whether it's your grandparents, whether it's your coworker, whether it's the kid who sits next to you in math class and won't stop tapping their pencil on the desk and you just want to shove that pencil right through their eyeball. No, that is not forgiveness. There needs to be forgiveness. Okay? and you set those healthy boundaries can I move my desk please (laughs) you set those healthy boundaries to protect not only yourself but to protect them as well and so when we get to the point where it's time to forgive again this horizontal relationship of forgiveness can be very very hard I'm not going to stand here on the stage and tell you that it's easy because it's not There are some people who have a very forgiving spirit and they will forgive time and time again and for them it's not a problem. I am not one of those people. Don't cross me. No. We're called to forgive as we have been forgiven. The vertical relationship of forgiveness leads to the horizontal relationship of forgiveness. And get this, all right? I just want to leave you this. When we realize how much we've been forgiven, we open up the channel of God's forgiveness in our lives to flow to others that make sense when we realize just that we are the 10 billion dollar men and women and our debt has been forgiven it opens up that channel that river that that for the river of forgiveness to flow right through us to other people it starts with understanding how much we've been forgiven how much it cost god to forgive us how much it cost jesus to forgive us that's what we have to realize I want you to do me a favor. I want you to just do a little exercise with me. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Okay, close your eyes. And I want you to picture that person. You know who I'm talking about. That person that you are having a hard time forgiving. Whatever it is that they did, the, the sting of it hurts so bad. The sting of it is so real. It's like it happened five minutes ago. It could have been the person who talked about you the person who was gossiping about you, the person who told lies about you, the person who stabbed you in the back. It, it could be the person uh, who betrayed you, who, uh, the person who annoys you. Whoever that person is, you know who it is, and you can see their face, and it's making you st- almost sick to your stomach. This is the person that God is calling you to forgive now. This is the person that needs to be forgiven they may not even realize that they've done anything but you you know what they've done and you are harboring bitterness and resentment in your heart and in your soul and it is eating you alive so it's time to forgive and we need to pray that God would give us the strength and the courage and the power to forgive that God would help us to remember how much we've been forgiven. So I want you to picture that person's face. And now I want you to picture three three nails and a crown of thorns. Three nails and a crown. Because that's what it costs God to forgive us. Open your eyes. C.S. Lewis said this, To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Let me read that one more time. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. And when we realize how much we have been forgiven, we can forgive others. So may God remind us May God remind us each day this week of how much He has forgiven us so that we, in turn, can forgive others. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, forgiveness is hard. It's hard to forgive when we've been so hurt. It's hard to forgive when we've experienced so much pain. Lord, I pray that You would help us indeed to be people of forgiveness. To not only just receive the forgiveness that you've given to us, but to share that forgiveness with others. God, we need your strength. We need your help to forgive. So I ask today that in the mighty name of Jesus, you would indeed give us that strength and that power to forgive. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who secured our forgiveness by his death on the cross. Help us to forgive. In Jesus' name.